Thank you, Karen. Thank you, worship team. Let's thank them all again. And Lord, we do lift up Chris and Tiffany to you. We, we ask that uh, soon you'd bring Chris healing from these uh, terrible migraines. But thank you that you have uh, manifest your presence in a way that allows us to worship you. And Lord, as our, our kids head off to their session, we, we ask that they be blessed, that, that they learn that they have fun together. And now would you speak to all of us through your word. Amen. Amen. Yeah, we'll let the kids head off to their session if they haven't taken off already. Good to see you all. I'm, I'm Steve, interim pastor here. Good to see you all, as well as I can't see you on live stream, but I hope you're, I'm glad you're with us if you are. Uh, in the Bible's uh, New Testament, would you find uh, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians? Chapter 12 is where we're going to spend a little time. And some of you have a, a, a Bible, but uh, boy, if you have a phone, you know, one of the best apps you can get on your phone is, uh, is uh, my, Bible. Is that what it's called? version. 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 I knew I didn't quite have that right. Uh, you can get like thousands of translations, virtually every language. Uh, you all could be checking on the Greek when <laughs> Nathan or I or Tom are preaching to see if we're getting this right. But anyway, I um, encourage you to look directly at the word. The rest of this month, um, God willing, we're going to uh, be looking at our life together, our life together as God's family, as the body of Christ. I'm calling this series Christ Embodied, Christ Embodied. So for starters, would you read with me these uh, couple verses up on the screen? Let's read it out loud together. Just as a body, though one, has many parts but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. The picture that you get in this whole chapter and in what we just read is a human body. Uh, A lot of us have bodies, right? Many of us. It, and I tell you what, it's not, it's not that we just have bodies. In a lot of ways, it's what we are. And I thought I'd show you a picture. You know, I, I have this clever disguise as a 70-year-old guy, but here's my actual body. Uh, a couple <laughs> pictures. Just, don't I wish. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. Why, why are we all laughing? I, don't, I just thought you'd be interested. But uh, a, a body, you know, we, it, it is what we are. I mean, we're, we're this complicated web of all these different parts and that's how our personhood is is manifest well paul says so it is with christ so it is with christ i mean when god made a decision to rescue us from sin and death and evil what did he do he became a human being that's my mind can't get around that what an awesome thing that the eternal infant God would actually become a little tiny, actually fertilized egg in the womb of a, of a young woman and, and uh, live the bodily existence on this earth. A God as man ate and drank, walked and worked, tired. He got tired, he slept, he got hurt, he, he died. 30 years on this earth, he had a body and now he has a very human resurrection body. 
This is the, the essence, part, part of the essence of, of who our Lord is. But then Christ also has a body made up of a web of ordinary people who call him Lord, who call him Savior. Um, you might say that Christ embodied our us. Now, that's not just a nice ideal. Hey, let's really try to cooperate and imitate Jesus. It, it's a reality. As you see in this passage, uh, those who simply place their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord, uh, they, they get baptized by the Spirit. They're, they're engulfed in the very presence, the, the life of God himself, of the risen Jesus. Now, here's, here's one. We're going to cover a fair amount of this chapter in a couple, um, a couple three weeks. But here's, here's one claim, and I want to really center on this. One claim made by Paul. It's a promise from God. It's verse 7. And, and that is that uh, now to each one, each believer, each who has um, declared Jesus to be his or her Lord, to each one, the manifestation, the, the showing up of the Spirit is given for the common good, the common good of the whole body of Christ, but really the common good of, of all whom God loves, which is everyone. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each for the common good. Now, I want to take this and invite you to have a simple prayer today. If you do nothing else, just keep echoing this prayer. It's based on this promise of God. Jesus, how is your Spirit moving to show up in me and, and in us together for the common good? Can you make that your prayer? Jesus, how is your spirit moving to show up in me and us together for the common good of us, but also this broken world around us? Now, to see how that promise gets described and how that prayer might be answered, just going to look at uh, some verses surrounding this here in 1 Corinthians 12. It's all related, especially this chapter is related to to one of the big problems that Paul's trying to address in these house churches in the Greek city of Corinth. And, and you find it through the, through the whole letter. Now, he's dealing with a lot of different issues. This letter is really fascinating. It's very down to earth. He's saying, now, concerning this, concerning that. And these are, these are people who've got some problems. And the big one that he hits head on in chapter one is that you guys are divided. You don't have unity. And he, he gives some details on that. Mainly, they're not really focused on the crucified and risen Christ. They focus on this leader or that leader or some of their differing kinds of manifestations of the Spirit. Uh, so that's what he's getting at in chapter 12. But here's where he starts at the beginning of chapter 12. He says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. Now let's just pause there for a minute. The gifts of the Spirit... Actually, in this first verse, he doesn't use the word gifts. We know it's what he's talking about because he's going to go on and describe that. But it's a little odd to translate this real literally. He literally says now about the spirituals or the spirit things, or maybe you could say the spirit people. But it's really this word spirit, which goes back to the Holy Spirit, of course. But soon he describes these spirituals as gifts it's important that you know what they're all about. And so he goes on to say um, in verse uh, 4 that, um, that there are various gifts of working and serving. And then you see throughout the chapter several lists 
They're, they're examples. They're not comprehensive, but examples. So you see up on the screen there, verse 8 and 10, uh, 8, 9, and 10, there's, uh, there's given through the Spirit, and these are examples of the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, these unknown languages that are coming from the Holy Spirit. Uh, now, Paul says it's really important you guys are, are not uninformed about this because here's the deal, they were. They were distorting what it was the Spirit was giving. Now, it'd be kind of interesting if, if we just had a big conversation about what's your understanding <laughs> of spiritual gifts? And I, I bet we'd get some differing kind of views or at least points of emphasis. Uh, a lot of us sort of instinctively think of something really big and supernatural, some, something's out of the ordinary. And uh, some of the gifts even listed like, uh, you know, miraculous healings and thus saith the Lord prophecies and uh, these unknown languages and loud demon evicting or, I don't know, getting filled with the Spirit and doing a half gainer off the platform. But it, it can get a little, little wild at times. And I believe that can be from God, okay? Don't get me wrong. But others, whoa, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that stuff. And, and some would even say, theologically, that was fine in the first century, but God stopped doing that stuff. Anything that looks like that now is false. Well, I, I don't believe that. It's right here in Scripture. But others would say, no, the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, it's just kind of being helpful. It's ordinary church jobs. And um, we find the thing that, well, I'm fairly good at doing this or that. That's my spiritual gift. So what, how do we understand this? Well, well, let me give you a four-part definition from 1 Corinthians that might be helpful. Here's what spiritual gifts are. First of all, gifts are the giver himself giving himself. The gifts are the gift, the manifestation of the Spirit. It's not just something, some possession, some ability. It's him. And, and we're going to see in a minute why that's so important that we, we, we always remember that and be exalting him. But the, it's the giver giving himself through in differing kinds of followers through different people such that, by the way, that makes them, makes us gifts. The gifts showing up in gifts for the common good so that we're gifts to each other, all right? And, and then uh, to add to this definition, it's the giver giving himself through differing followers together as one body. They're not separate. And ultimately for the flow of love, of self-giving, Christ-expressing uh, love. Now, let me tell you why Paul needed to help the Corinthians see all four, really, really showing up in that one verse manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Um, number one, some of the Corinthians, even though Paul has affirmed that they have spiritual gifts, right there in chapter one, you are so rich in your spiritual gifts. Here's the problem. They had some disconnects. They had some disconnects. Uh, there's evidence here that some were forgetting that it's all about Jesus. It's all about the giver giving himself. 
It's all about Jesus, Lord. It's almost like some seem to be saying, or at least thinking, that, hey, we have all these dazzling gifts of the Spirit. That's really cool. Who, who needs this Jesus who's back, way back for them 30 years ago and now way up in some distant heaven? We have the Holy Spirit. Kind of forgetting, well, the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ as Lord. And, and, and so you look at what, the way Paul goes on immediately. Uh, he says that um, you know that when you were pagan, somehow, uh, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed. He's really getting extreme in his emphasis here. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus is Lord and Holy Spirit, they go together. They're inseparable. And, and so you can't disconnect the gifts from the giver giving himself as Jesus Christ. Okay, that's pretty basic. But these Corinthians, they were kind of forgetting it. And in a minute, I'll say ways where you might kind of slip away from that as well. Well, here's another disconnect. Uh, their disconnect um, from the, uh, the whole idea that uh, the giver giving himself is through differing followers, kind of forgetting that. And so Paul has to say, you know, the Spirit shows up in differing ways with different people. That's really important for the body of Christ. And so he immediately goes on to say, there are different kinds of gifts, but it's the same Spirit distributing them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. God loves the diversity. It'd be so boring if he made us all exactly the same, including the way the Holy Spirit uh, shows up in our life. Here's another disconnect. Um, that's that all these different gifts have to work together as one body. And so he, he says, as we read earlier, just as a body, though one has many parts, all its many parts form one body. And so it is with Christ and his body. There's only one single body because some people were kind of acting as if, um, as, as if the uh, gifts were a private kind of blessing, either a private kind of pacifier or a public kind of performance all centered around, look what I got. And in fact, um, uh, later on in chapter 12, you get the evidence that some of the Corinthians were saying, almost saying, my gift's better than your gift. <laughs> you know? And it was, it was pride. Or in some cases, like, I wish I had the gift you have. And, and people just weren't letting each other be who they are in Christ. Letting the Holy Spirit show up the way he wants to show up. Uh, in them, but doing it together as one body. And it all comes down to this. Some were especially forgetting that it's all about love. It's for the flow of love. You know, immediately after this great chapter, you have the famous 1 Corinthians 13. Did you know that Paul did not just write that to put on a plaque in your living room? <laughs> did you know that he didn't write that just so it could be read at weddings? He, he, he wrote that gave this beautiful description of love uh, for the sake of these Corinthians who were forgetting that gifts are worthless apart from actual self-giving love. And so we'll get into this chapter in a few weeks. 
I mean, this is such a powerful statement. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but don't have love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. That's pretty clear, isn't it? I once, at my early days of being a pastor, I got this note, wasn't real encouraging, uh, a really long note from a woman. Um, she did sign it, I'm thankful for that. But she said, uh, I'm getting tired of hearing nothing about love. I didn't know that's the only thing I preached on, but I want something deep, not just love. I just thought, I don't know if there's anything deeper than the absolute amazing love of God that transforms lives, that uh, heals relationships. And, well, anyway, I probably need to hear something there. But um, unfortunately, we can kind of forget that. We're all about maybe Jesus and the gifts, but frankly, aren't that concerned about the common good. Now, now thankfully, none of these disconnects ever happen with any of us, ever, right? <laughs> or, or, I don't know, maybe a lot of people are like me. So, for example, have you ever caught yourself sort of at least subconsciously doing stuff for Jesus without Jesus? It's like, yeah, I'm all about the cause. I'm all about the ministries. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But really, I haven't connected with him for a while. It, it, it happens. We kind of forget that he's the head. Um, have you ever been, I don't know, uncomfortable or threatened by people that are just different? Uh, yeah, Frank and me. And maybe some others. And see, I like Frank because we're a lot alike. But well, I won't. I won't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I won't elaborate here. Um, but you know, you can, it's, it's like I said before, you can either feel, well, I'm better than they are or I'm inferior to that person because we're different. And well, the Spirit's got to correct that. Um, some, sometimes it's like, Boy, these relationships are too messy. I'm just going to do my own thing. And that's really common now where it's me and Jesus. It's the way I'm following him. Um, the body of Christ stuff, it's, it's just kind of a mess. Well, what if Jesus wants you in the mess? Because that's, that's, that's the only place love shows up, you know, alongside people. Um, and, and, you know, kind of like you feel uncomfortable with people who are different. Sometimes we, and this is natural, you just gravitate toward people that are kind of like you. And unfortunately, if you look at the worldwide body of Christ, this happens with so-called denominations in, in a lot of ways. A lot of it has to do with kinds of manifestations of the Spirit. So the Pentecostals rattle and roll, the Presbyterians organize and teach, the Catholics go for ornate beauty, and the, all the leftovers go to a covenant church. So, um, I don't know, it can't, it can't work that way in some respects. And then here's the big one, I think, related to that, it's all about love, is that do you ever find yourself in the mix of Christ's body and you're kind of asking the question, what can I get out of this? It's not a terrible question, 
But there's also the question that's even bigger and better. What might I be able to put into this? Maybe you come here, or you, or you leave maybe saying, well, I didn't get much out of it today. Well, so what? Did you put anything into it? Now, I'm being a little facetious there. I hope you get something every single time you're with another believer. But maybe you won't actually get it unless you're also giving in some, at least in your heart posture, okay? So wouldn't you agree that there's something beautiful here about the freedom of of the the, the Spirit gives to to, to let everyone be who they are in Christ and just assume that's a gift and and look for the ways that God wants to build us up uh, together and and have a share in a mission to this world. And, And how there's... Yeah, it gets a little messy at times, but, but there's something beautiful um, uh, about the variety, the diversity of, of Christ's body. And of course, it's, it's the Holy Spirit who has the ultimate freedom. Verse 11, I don't have a slide for this, but verse 11, he says, the Spirit distributes um, to each just as he determines. We don't say... We don't shop for gifts, you know. I mean, we can ask for this or that. But I think time and time again, I've been surprised at the way the Spirit manifests himself because he's, he's kind of in control. You can't put him in a box. But he will show up. And, and he shows up just the way we are, wherever we are, whatever we're doing. He, he can manifest himself for the common good. Um, sometimes his gifts, his manifestation, is, is just kind of a, one-time surprising occasion. Never happens again. But the Spirit showed up on that given day in, in a particular way, and we, we celebrate that. Other times, it is more of an ongoing, regular way of serving. This seems to be the way that the Spirit is usually going to show up in my life within the body. Uh, sometimes it's just kind of a routine thing. I'm just trying to serve. And it's not that spectacular, but it really is the Holy Spirit who's very much at work. Other times, it's kind of beyond the normal, and the Spirit's breaking in, doing some pretty um, amazing things. Often, the gifts, which is God in us, manifesting himself, often they show up in clear strengths. They're related to natural abilities. You could spot it from the time of childhood. Boy, this, this, this kid really has a way of communicating, and, that, and God takes that. And it becomes a gift within the body of teaching or preaching or encouraging or whatever. But be sure you're aware of this. That God has a way of manifesting himself in our deepest weaknesses and our greatest suffering. Paul had to keep talking to this group in Corinth and emphasize that in his second letter. Which, by the way, is actually probably his fourth letter, but we won't go into that. But that's where he makes it really clear that it's in my weakness that God's grace is made perfect. And, and, and so even my weakness, my limitations, my suffering, uh, not that God wants that directly, but all that can be a bridge for him to show that all the power belongs to him and not to us. And, and to build a, a relationship, a bond with others who are going through maybe the same kind of weakness so, you see, the Spirit's free to show up in any way, but let's just be open to that and let him do what he wants to do. Um, quick story. Uh, one of the most unlikely friendships I've ever had in my life that God gave me was a guy named Eldon. 
And uh, we were both in our 30s at the time, I suppose. And uh, Eldon uh, was about as different from me as God makes people. A few examples. He had, uh, we met when I became a pastor in Kansas, my first church. He'd grow up on a farm. I haven't even been on a farm. Um, He was really smart, but he'd only gone through the eighth grade. I had a master's degree and thought I was smart. Um, Eldon was mainly brilliant with his hands, woodwork. I mean, he just had this incredible gift of, of making stuff. As my wife could tell you, yeah, she's laughing right now. I'm hopeless, right? <laughs> Nobody has all the gifts, sorry. <laughs> um, Eldon was a goofball. I mean, he loved to laugh and get others laughing. And uh, on the side, I, st- I laugh when I imagine him. He, part of his gig was he had a clown act. I mean, the whole thing, you know, he was a clown, scared some kids. You know? <laughs> but, you know, the typical thing where he'd be invited to parties and make balloons and all that stuff, but, but he really played it well. Um, um, and he was a clown all the time, really. I mean, he, he, he had one of the, talking about life groups, he had one of the most, one of the best, healthiest, vital small groups in our church and, you know, eighth grade education, hadn't gone to seminary and all that stuff, but he just loved people and had a brilliant, simple way of, of bringing the truth out in Scripture. But, but he, he was a goofball, so he'd, he'd always sit over on this side, like kind of where Jennifer is sort of, in, in that particular sanctuary. And um, while I'm preaching, I try not to look at him because frequently... He'd put his hand up on one side so nobody else could see him, and he'd make faces at me. <laughs> Just to see if he could distract me, you know? And I kind of... <laughs> so, a couple times I lost it, you know? <clears throat> one time he was doing the clown act with, um, with the children, but he came, came into the sanctuary at the back. Nobody could see him but me. I'm preaching away, and, and he's got his full clown outfit going like this, you know? So, <laughs> And I just said, just stick to your notes. <laughs> but that, that's just the way it was. But here's, here's the thing about Eldon. Um, with, with all that, he, he was a blessing to others despite the fact that he had a chronic bone infection in his jaw and he was in constant pain. Um, but here's what I saw and learned from Eldon. He let who he was and what he had his skills, his craziness, even his pain, be gifts from Jesus to other people. Um, And he just looked for the opportunities to to serve, to bless. Um, Just one quick last story. He'd often be in the hospital for that crazy infection, and he's going to have some surgery out of town so I, I was going to go out to see him before the surgery in the morning. Well, it turned out, as he told me later, that his roommate in the hospital room, uh, I, I forget what his plight was, but the man wanted his life to end. He was really struggling with something. He said, I, I just don't want to go on. I hope I die on the operating table. Well, Eldon stayed up all night and talked to him. Just talked, just listened. And... 
I happened to come in early the next morning just as these guys were, were getting their breakfast or whatever. And um, it all made sense to me later what was going on. But uh, Eldon, uh, about the time I walked in, he, he pulled the curtain aside. He was a really big guy. He just pulled it aside. He said, how are you doing? <laughs> and the other guy said, he smiled. He said, you know, pretty good. And the backstory was that Eldon had ministered to him all night and given this man hope. Um, here's my question. How are we giving the Holy Spirit freedom to show up in our lives for the common good? It's going to look different for every single person. How do we let the gifts get unwrapped and released? I'll just so, say four things real quick, and, and, and that's that um, um, the more we exalt Christ, the more the Spirit has freedom to release his gifts. The more we exalt Christ, the higher we exalt Christ, the deeper and wider the Spirit will move. And one thing I love about Grace Covenant Church is that uh, you, you get it. You, you get it, that Christ is the head of the church, not some pastor, uh, not the leadership team. But you know who's Lord, who's head, whose church this is. So that, that's, that's at the center of it all. But then, number two, the gifts will be released the more we embrace um, the diversity, embrace the differing forms the Holy Spirit shows up amongst us. Um, Oscar Wilde said, be yourself, everyone else is already taken. <laughs> so, um, here's something else I appreciate about Grace Covenant Church. In my almost 11 months here, I've really sensed there's just a freedom to be who you are. It does get a little messy at times, but uh, people here are just real. They're authentic, you know? Everybody's got their struggles. They don't try to pretend that you don't, you know, wallow in it. But, but just there's, there's that sense of uh, you can be who you are um, in Christ. And, of course, keep growing, becoming what he wants you to be. But um, the gifts are going to more likely get released if we're not playing games, right? And we can each be different. And, and then number three, the gifts will be released the more we do connect together. Uh, the, the more we encourage each other, not just showing up occasionally in a room like this, but getting face-to-face, heart-to-heart, uh, doing life together, uh, and, and not just um, several dozen, but just two or three or 10, 12 or so, um, together in the presence of Jesus, uh, sharing life, building each other up, encouraging each other. Um, you, know, you heard Stephen Shelley talk about life groups Last April, if there was one thing our leadership team and staff sensed God was leading us into was try to let the Spirit develop practical pathways for us to carry out this mission here to help people follow Jesus, to love God, connect, grow, serve, live out as good news. And, and very practically and down to earth, we knew that that couldn't just happen, say, Sunday after Sunday, but it would have to happen as people got together face to face. And so various forms of life groups that Steve and Shelley were talking about, we really sense, I mean, that for, forever, since the Jesus with the 12 disciples and the early church meeting in houses, that's been the fundamental way that the church has taken shape. 
in relatively small groups, <clears throat> not as part of a church, but as the church. And, and, and so um, we, we just were really praying and longing that everybody will have some form of a group like that. It might, it might be very organized, it might be kind of informal, but here's a definition that uh, we've come up with. Um, life groups, three to, these numbers are a little arbitrary, but three to 20 people, quite often it's something like 10 or so, but three to 20 people who gather regularly in a variety of forms. So it could be, um, yeah, a, a kind of intentional Bible study. It might be, we're, we're, we just hang out and we, we have this hobby, this life interest, uh, but it all has <clears throat> the same purpose which is to encourage and build up each other for following Jesus, to love God, connect, grow, serve, and live out his good news. Um, it, these groups can meet every week. Maybe it's every other week. Maybe it's once a month. But they're regularly coming together uh, to encourage and build each other up. It, it's, it's really living out what um, the New Testament gives uh, an anonymous author gave to a group of house churches, let's consider, let's really think about how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, but encouraging one another. And meeting together again, not just side by side in a room like this, but more face to face, where we can really get to know each other. And, and then together side by side, be reaching out to, to neighbors and, and others. And... Uh, just encourage you in the next few weeks as, as, as doors open, of opportunity open up to, to, to start a group or join a group. And we'll say more about that in the coming weeks. But finally, one last thing about how the gifts are released, and, and that's that uh, we engage in active service for the flow of his love. We step out and give of ourselves. We don't have to label it as a gift. That may show up. Wow, the Holy Spirit's really showing up as so-and-so does this or that. But they don't start there and say, well, I better learn all my gifts and be really certain that I have this one before I serve. It'll show up as you get into it. As you, you'll learn what's not your gift. Believe, I, I've had that happen. That's okay. You can take that risk. Do something in your neighborhood where you work here in the body of Christ, here in the church. And so many of you are. And, and, and keep it up and know it's the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Others, it's just a time to, to step into um, something actively. You know, when I was a kid, I was learning to play baseball. I really loved it. And, you know, in Little League, you try all the positions to see, not a very good pitcher, but fairly good at first base, you know, whatever. You try them all. My grandpa liked to tell me that his position was 42nd vice deputy assistant to the backstop. <laughs> In other words, Grandpa just watched. <laughs> so, but then he'd kind of have a twinkle in his eye and say, but you go play, you know. And, well, that's how you learn. That's where the, the skills are released. So, again, step out, move. Um, so back to the question. Uh, Jesus, how is your spirit moving to show up in me and us for the common good? I love this quote from Frederick Buechner. He says, the place God calls you to is the place where the world's deep hunger and your deep gladness meet. I pray with all my heart that more and more 
we will discover those places where we'll be, have joy with the common good, with the good news of Jesus Christ uh, will be manifest by his spirit. Uh, let, let's just take a moment, engage with the Lord, uh, praise you have need. Maybe we'll just keep this on the screen for a little bit and pray that prayer in whatever form fits you, and, and then we'll go into a closing song. Holy Spirit of the living God, Holy Spirit of the risen Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit of our dear Father, we do ask that you'd fall upon us day by day, even right this moment. Lord, would you give us a, Lord, a humility and openness to be receptive to you, to, as we prayed earlier, as we sang, uh, Lord, to uh, have your way in us, but then also through us. I ask, Lord, that through Grace Covenant Church, with each of us individually, but then all of us together, that there'd be manifestations of the very Holy Spirit of God that would bring your goodness, your truth, your absolute love, Lord, your transforming gospel into more and more lives uh, that we might be on a growing edge with you and that others would come to know you. Pray this for myself and for each of us, for your glory, for the world's uh, salvation and good and for our own joy in your holy name Jesus we pray and would you come and fill us amen, amen. I invite you to stand and as you go on your way 
Um, you know, don't leave before maybe you've said hello to someone you've never met or haven't seen for a long time. Uh, if you have a gift, you can place it in the offering box at the back as well as the connection card with any messages you might have uh, for the staff or for others. Uh, as you go on your way, may, may Jesus fill you to overflowing for his glory, the world's good, and your own joy. Amen. Amen. told 